Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Welcome listeners to this Mastering Life episode where I... uh, as in the previous few episodes, I've I've recounted a story from the Speaking From Our Hearts book. And today's episode effectively will be the last time I do that. And I want to do so by, by sharing a story from Bill and Jenny Burridge of South Africa. And it's called From Bridges and Ballet to Butterflies. It's a fantastic story. So enjoy. So how do I look? I asked Dave, my best mate and fellow engineering student at the University of Cape Town. You look like a right tarty smirked. Okay, give me another swig of that beer and let's do this thing, I responded, faking courage. We were heading to a Rocky Horror Show themed party at a neighbouring lady's residence. Dave's new partner, Gail, had pressed him to to bring me along as as a pal and for a blind date for her friend and roommate called Jenny. Picture the scene, beer-swilling engineering student in full cross-dress with borrowed stockings and skimpy lace underwear, attempting to impersonate Frank Enferta. (laughs) As I think back to that defining moment in my life, I shake my head and laugh at my blissful ignorance at the universe's unfolding plan. I was about to meet the love of my life, but what a first impression. Mercifully, Jenny is blessed with a great sense of humour and our relationship continued, even after the rocky start. Amongst our peers in the engineering faculty, word spread quickly that Dave and I were dating students from the university's ballet school. Publicly, we revelled in the boost to our cool street cred. Privately, however, we soon began to lament how under-equipped our calculator and logic type personalities were to deal with the emotional tempestuousness of our artistic and creative nurtured girlfriends. If you ever experimented with magnets and iron filings in a school science class, you'll appreciate the saying, unlike opposite poles attract. Well, unlike opposite poles, Jenny and I most certainly were. On reflection, Jenny and I have been married longer than Britney Spears has been alive. We may, ironically, have stumbled across the secret to relationship longevity. Post-university, our relationship was soon put to the test. While I joined a major construction company specialising in bridge building and moved across the country, Jenny accepted an offer to run a dance school for kids and took off for the beautiful Indian island of Mauritius. After a year apart, I flew out, excited to join Jenny on a three-week holiday, only to discover she had begun to succumb to the charms of a softly spoken local man with an intoxicatingly romantic French accent. It was clear an unfair competition had emerged and I had to act quickly. So on the eve of Christmas, at that symbolic turning point, sunset, I proposed. 
Mother Nature, though, was not impressed. Within days, she unleashed upon us the wrath of Claudette, one of the most devastating weather cyclones to make landfall in Mauritius in 15 years. Claudette's destructive force pummeled our breezy vocation. Yet throughout the night, scaring the living daylights out of both of us. But despite her best efforts to disrupt our relationship, the experience served to strengthen our bond. In Cape Town, South Africa, a little more than a year later, we were married. After the wedding, we moved to a beautiful little town on the south coast of Natal, where I got absorbed into the testosterone fueled culture of a large bridge construction team. Jenny, on the other hand, bought and operated a health and fitness studio exclusively for ladies. At home, we struggled to reconcile our different outlooks. Jenny's love of form clashed with my obsession with function. The temporary nature of construction projects led me to view spends on curtains, carpets and the like as just being pure wasteful. Instead, I believed in spending on only on essentials, like a belter of a hi-fi stereo system. At least when time allowed us, we could par party like, <laughs> like there was no tomorrow. As time wore on though, I became increasingly unsettled about living in a permanent state of transition and wanted something different. When I had chosen to study engineering, I had known deep down that it would be an imperfect fit. In wanting to do the right thing, I had suppressed my inner voice and I allowed myself to be guided by peer pressure and the advice of others. Now my inner voice began to speak up. I reflected that whereas my working life had always revolved around things, my heart desired to experience working with something infinitely more challenging and exciting, called people. The defining moment came in the midst of a torrential downpour late at night out on site. I decided it was time for a change. I left my job in construction and headed back to the University of Cape Town to embark upon it on a one-year intensive full-time study towards an MBA degree. Jenny found an hourly paid job as an aerobics instructor, running up to five high-intensity classes a day just to take care of our living expenses. It was exhausting work for her, but my goodness, she soon got very, very fit. The year flashed past, and after graduating, I joined a huge multinational in the sales and marketing division. Loving the change, I eagerly looked forward to realising my passion for working with, motivating and directing people. Life was good and, not wanting to mess up with that, I, I easily suppressed any ideas of starting a family. That is, until the 10th anniversary of our marriage. On that red letter day, Jenny pronounced, with uncharacteristic forcefulness approaching that of Cyclone Claudette, that the time to start a family had finally arrived and further, de further delay was not an option. I had no choice but to do the honourable thing. Our beautiful baby Bianca was born in Cambridge during a short work assignment to the UK. Some four years later, back in Cape Town, our wonderful, our wonderful son Casey arrived to complete our much-desired pigeon pair. However, I had precious little time for playing happy families over the next ten years, with my focus on climbing the corporate ladder. To enhance my CV, 
I took on various roles in distribution, project management and technology. My work ethic was noticed and I landed an expatriate assignment to the corporate headquarters in London. Our family association with England, where I was also born and raised as a child, was about to be renewed. We lived very comfortably and wanted for absolutely nothing except that increasing elusive commodity, family time together. My new programme management role had me shuttling at least on a weekly stage between London and the United States where the company was piloting the development of a web-based software solution for international rollout. It was a challenging and exhausting time for me. For Jenny, it meant devoting herself to the kids and on weekends picking up the pieces of a frequently shattered husband. The aftermath of the dot-com collapse caused members of our project steering board to grow increasingly cautious and after 18 months and despite solid progress with the pilot project, they pulled the rug on the programme and with it, my job. Fortunately, as that door closed, another opened. I was assigned a senior management role in IT, although hugely thankful for the lifeline, I was inly disconcerted. My career path had U-turned away from my passion which was working with people. The steel and concrete of my past had been replaced by bits and bytes. At about that time, my company flip-flopped in its policy towards leadership development. Functional specialists, previously disadvantaged in selection for leadership positions, would now be favoured over all-rounders. In other words, deep expertise in one field would be preferred to broad exposure in a number of fields. It hit me like a ton of bricks. For 20 years I had sweated to gain the wide exposure and to be seen for, for crucial advancement only to find that the game had changed. I learned a solitary lesson though. It was finally time to start playing my own game, doing what I loved rather than what I thought was expected of me. That change of heart soon attracted an exciting new opportunity. The IT division embraced a radical cost reduction programme that necessitated the appointment of an internal communications manager to help build trust and the two-way engagement between leadership and employees. In simple terms, this was a role that involved working with and inspiring people. I jumped at the chance to apply, relying on pure passion and a little help from the universe to land the job. Having the courage to follow my heart felt exciting, invigorating and liberating. Over the next three years, I became totally immersed in my great new job and I was soon asked to join the corporate communications team and manage internal communications for the entire organisation. Despite exciting developments on the work front though, my life transformation was still far from complete with the holy grail of quality family time beyond my grasp it was time for another curveball from the universe. With my assignment drawing to a close, my thoughts turned to the future. With a major restructuring of the subsidiary, job prospects in South Africa looked look very bleak. So I inquired about the chances of permanent employment in the UK. To my great relief, I received a very positive response. Eager to share the good news with Jenny, I left work early for once. Jenny's reaction to my news, though, was as shocking as it was straightforward. 
Six years is long enough, Bill. It's time for the family to go home now to South Africa. My mind is made up. Now you must decide if you want to join us. I had clearly failed to read the tea leaves. While living in my work bubble, realising that time had just, just been called on my career as I knew it, I felt anxiety, uncertainty and even resentment wash over me. The universe, however, knew differently. Up until then, I'd been financially supporting a close relative who had fallen on hard times. In her wisdom, seeing little improvement in the situation, Jenny suggested channeling our support into hiring a life coach. Great idea, I thought. But what on earth is a life coach? Embarrassed with myself for not knowing, I turned to good old Goodle. To cut a long story short, my research culminated in a helpful meeting with Neil, the owner of a life coach training programme and a man with whom I enjoyed instant rapport. As I looked to close the conversation by thanking him for his advice, he surprised me by turning the attention firmly to me. Bill, it's clear you're facing a great deal of change on a number of fronts in your life. I strongly recommend that you give life coaching a try for yourself. Neil insisted on connecting me with Sharon, a young Manchester-based life coach who had graduated from his training programme. With more than a little scepticism, I agreed to a series of telephone coaching sessions with her. To my great surprise, and to Neil and Sharon's eternal credit, I was blown away by the sheer power and simplicity of the coaching programme she skillfully guided me through. Shaking with excitement, I called Neil and got straight to the point. I absolutely love life coaching. It's simple, it works, and it's literally life-changing. I'd love to introduce this training in South Africa. How about it? We concluded the deal in due course, and Neil and his lovely wife Natasha flew to South Africa to help start up my new company, New Insight South Africa. Neil and Natasha quickly identified in Jenny a natural coaching ability and passion. And, Nat and Natasha channeled a lot of effort into coaching Jenny in the application of their life coaching system. In the space of just a few months, Jenny and I went from being ships in the night, sacrificing quality time together for the trappings of my corporate career, to being jointly involved in our own successful life coaching training business. Today, I'm privileged to own New Insights, both in South Africa and the UK. Whereas I run the business and training side, Jenny provides coaching service to trainee coaches. As you may expect, we bring different yet complementary skills and perspectives to the business table. A few years ago, I felt the time was right to do something I'd long dreamed of doing. So I wrote and published a book. It wasn't about building bridges. Well, not of the concrete sort anyway. It wasn't about succeeding in corporate life or even starting a small business. I wrote about awakening to the magic of the life you love, a personal development book based on my journey to find and live my true life's purpose. The cover page of the quirkly titled A Beauvoir's Roll for the Soul, Beauvoir's is a type of traditional South African sausage, featured a little creature that Jenny long ago adapted as a symbol of her own spirituality the humble yet exquisite butterfly. It now symbolises my deep thanks and appreciation to Jenny for the role she played in my transformation and our coming 
together. So, listeners, that's Bill's rendition on From Bridges and Ballet to Butterflies. I don't think it'd be right without actually hearing Jenny's perspective. And Jenny terms, terms her uh, insights from, hewing, from human doings to human beings. And she quotes Mayor Angelou, who was a mentor to Oprah Winfrey. And Mayor says, when you know better, you do better. So, Jenny's perspective from human doings to human beings. I don't think there are many people who haven't at some point in their life said, I wish I'd known then what I know now. I've said this many times, but I know now that this wish is not my wish. If I had known, I would never embarked upon my amazing journey of self-realisation and evolving consciousness. I believe that managing the energy of thought, perception and the linked emotions is the key to a fulfilling and happy life. When you truly understand that your doing is a direct result of your thoughts and emotions, only then can you take full responsibility for your life experiences. And then it comes to being. I, fi I, I finally learned that love, joy, peace and happiness are states of being that you can actually choose. The choice comes with a consciousness while in the present moment. The awareness of the moment and the thoughts that you hold about the moment. It all makes perfect sense. And the processes are simple, empowering. Yet many people get so busy with everyday life and ego jostling and wanting to do right or even wanting just to be right that they forget who they truly are at their deepest level. This wasn't clear to Bill and me in those early days. We used to argue and fight about reality. I had my head in the clouds and needed to get down to earth and he and he just didn't get it with me. Of course I was going to expect miracles. Who wouldn't? And here the fire and water signs made steam. Bill and I and our children had so many memorable experiences together, some fabulous and some not so much. However, each experience contained with it a lesson and an opportunity to learn and grow, but only as long as we were prepared to do the work. One particularly significant experience was our time spent in England. We embarked on an adventure that was to last six years, three years longer than originally had been planned. It was exciting with so many things to discover, a new country, a new home, and wonderful travel opportunities which took us to France, Spain, Greece, Antigua, Tobago and the Maldives. We live more than comfortably. The kids were enrolled on a at a wonderful school. We had everything we wanted and almost everything we needed. What was missing though was a wholesome family life. Bill's corporate career outpaced my life and the children and as he had said we were ships passing in the night with very very little time together. There were days when I was filled with gratitude for the beautiful English countryside, for our magnificent manor house and exquisite garden with roses, daffodils, ponds and ducks. And then there were the days when the loneliness caught up with me and I ached for the familiarity and the rhythm of Africa. I was stuck, facing a conundrum. In England, I had everything, everything I needed in the world of form. Yet spiritually, I felt incomplete and my need for love 
and connection was not being met. I tried really hard to keep afloat and grateful, putting my everything into the children so that they felt a whole while while the father was absent. But I knew that this life of imbalance was not sustainable. It was especially obvious at bedtime when Bianca and Casey longed for Bill to read them stories and kiss them goodnight. I yearned to run barefoot on African soil again. I got to a point where I was more than happy to give up all this stuff, all this material stuff, in order to deliver accordingly to my highest values of balance and family. And so, after much ado, we returned to Cape Town. Bill has described the sequence of events leading up to his massive leap from corporate life to running life coach training companies in South Africa and the UK. And here we are. Bill runs the business using his people, communication and marketing skills brilliantly. And I'm now a life coach. I call my practice True Essence Coaching. It's my mission to help my clients find their true essence as I have in order to live authentically and consciously. My inner and outer purposes are finally aligned. Bill and I will never be the same and we don't want to be the same, but we are getting into step with the path of life. So there you have it, listeners, Bill and Jenny Burridges, um, enthralling tale of from bridges and ballet to butterflies. And, and it just goes to show and reinforce, I believe, that you know we can have all these, I call them silver trinkets, these these things that glow, these, you know, big fancy distractions, but they can never, ever com- compensate for that that inner peace, that love, that happiness that is that, that's ours with birth. It's in us already. And it's only these distractions that, and, and peer pressure, I think it's fair to say, that actually do exactly that. They distract. So with those uh, thoughts to ponder, I bid you farewell on this episode and uh, thank you very much for listening. And until the next time, keep mastering life. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullohart.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullohart.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.